All right, welcome back, everyone. Episode three of Lakeshore Sports Podcast. Tyler and I are here again, uh, here to talk some more Chicago sports with everybody. We're going to have some Blackhawks today. Uh, we haven't really touched much on the Blackhawks, but, you know, here we are. And it's been a busy week with the Blackhawks, a lot of news breaking. So uh, we're going to jump right in, Tyler. What do you think? Let's do it. I'm in. All right. So to say the least of it, the Blackhawks have had lots of roadblocks this season. Um, a lot of stuff has gone down both on and off the ice and, you know, the image does need to be a little bit repaired from everything that's gone on. And this week the Blackhawks made more of their first big step towards the future. And they've promoted Kyle Davidson from their interim GM role to their permanent GM role. They announced him as the full-time GM and he's going to be the one going forward. So Tyler, what do you think about the move? Is it the right move? Initial thoughts. Yeah, when, when the move was originally made, I wasn't thrilled about it. I wasn't, like, disappointed or anything. I was It was just kind of like a whole hum, like, okay, they went through this big, long process to hire from within. Uh, and they talked, they talked, you know, big, big talk, big change coming to the organization. And then they hire from a guy that's been here for the last 10 years, you know. So that was my first reaction. Um, but it sounds like he's going to make some big moves and some big changes. And uh, from the sound of from the sound of it in his introductory press conference, uh, he just went into saying that the Hawks are going on for a full on rebuild, which kind of shocked me at first when he said it. But then the more I thought about it, I'm like, you know what? It makes sense. <laughs> um, and I, I'm, I'm disappointed to hear it, but I'm just it is what it is. I have tried. I don't know about you, Jimmy, but I've, I've tried to hold on to the Hawks being competitive as long as I can. <laughs> I've tried to hold on. I've tried to hold on to the OK, you know what? We still got Kane in his prime. We, we got these other young pieces. We got, you know, to bring it. We got Doc. We got all these guys. You know, we could still throw something together on the fly and be competitive and maybe make a, a run at a cup. But you know what? The, the way I see it and the way he's talking about it, he's going to make some very unpopular moves coming in the coming months. Um, and I'm not going to be thrilled about all of them, but I know he's got the right intentions at heart uh, and he's got the right intentions for the franchise. And even though it's going to hurt me to watch, it's going to be the right move because I, uh, you know, I feel like we've seen slowly seen a teardown take place of these Stanley Cup winning teams. We've seen retirements happen. We've seen, you know, trade off Chalmerson, you know, Seabrook kind of falling off. Keith going, Keith having to be traded. You've seen Hosa having to retire, unfortunately, and obviously Patrick Sharp uh, being traded off. So, like, we've we've seen a slow teardown and decline of the old Stanley cup days and what we still try to hold on to you know what, we still got a few good pieces where we can win a cup one day, but the way, the more you look at it, the more it's like, you know what, it's probably time to move on. Now, that being said, I liked what Kane had to say this week. Um, I don't know if you heard what Kane said, just asking about his future with the Blackhawks and he's talking about how, you know, he wants to be a Hawk for life. That would be ideal. Not a lot of people go through the NHL uh, being with one franchise for their entire career, and that's something he wants to do. So I, I was thrilled to hear that, uh, but I am nervous for what's coming in terms of the movies, moves he's going to make. It's going to hurt me to watch, but, I mean, I don't know. I You like the Kyle Davidson hiring? You like his message that he's sending to us? Like, what's, what's your thoughts? I do like the Kyle Davidson hire. Um, mm-hmm. First and foremost, though, I think that it is going to be a tough 
he gave a three to five year window for this rebuild to take place. I'm assuming he means starting this offseason, finish off the rest of this year, yep. and move forward after that. The Blackhawks are far and away my favorite team in the city, which in Chicago, a lot of people I don't really think say that because you have the Bears, you have two baseball teams, the Bulls have had success in the past. I think when the Blackhawks are good, there is no better sport to watch in the city. I think the Stanley Cup playoffs are the most intense and the most competitive games. Obviously, the NFL kind of, you know, is going to, for argument's sake, is going to have a good argument after these playoffs. But there is nothing like playoff hockey. And we haven't had, you know, a Blackhawks playoff team to root for here pretty much since they won the Stanley Cup in 2015. Um, obviously, they had a couple good seasons pro, uh, post the 2015 Cup run. But they did end up going out first round in 16 and 17. Obviously, they had the kind of, you know, the playoff year in the COVID season where they got in on a technicality. Um, yeah. But it's it's going to it's going to be yeah, it's going to be tough to endure these times. But, you know, I am trying to get a little bit over the hump, like you said, of kind of reveling in the glory years. I think the Blackhawks franchise has put way too much emphasis on the previous successes that they've had every single season. It's looking like we're getting one more shift for the old players. You know, we're getting these legacy nights this year, which I love. I love, you know, the memories that these players and those teams gave to us, but it's time to move forward. And Mm -hmm. I do think Kyle Davidson is going to be a good voice for the Blackhawks. I was a little bit hesitant when he first got hired, due to the fact that, like you said, he has been with the team now for the past decade. I mean, he was here for the 2010 Cup win as an intern, and he's worked his way up, and now he's the GM. But, um, you know, that whole – it seems like the Blackhawks have held on to so many guys for so long, and they were afraid to change. And here we are now. I like what he had to say. It seems like he has a good outlook for the future, and he's not going to be afraid to make moves. I mean, he's already – you know, let go of two of the head scouts in the Blackhawks organization. And I think there's many more dominoes to fall, but you know, it's time, it's time to move forward. It's time for a rebuild. It does pain me to say that because I love this team so much and it's going to be some, some dark times, but to get back to where we were 2010, 2013, 2015, that's got to happen. Mm-hmm. And yeah, I agree. And I think, uh, Going back to big moves, I think the first domino that has to fall, and I'll see if you agree on it, is Mark Andre Fleury. I think we need to trade him off like stat. And as much as I love Mark Andre Fleury this year, and I've loved what he's done with the team, um, and, and he even announced that he wants to stay in Chicago. It's like I think it's time to move There's on. There's no to room Kentucky. for him. There's no room for him. Let's move on. Let's you know we got some young goalies in the system. Obviously Kevin Lincoln in, and then I'm sorry I'm blanking on his name, but I know there's a goalie in the system that uh, what, what's his name, Jimmy? You know his name off the top of your head. I uh, think you might be thinking of Drew Camaso, if that's yes, the one. I think so, but yes, yeah, so we got a few young goalies in the system, and Mark Andre Fleury is just kind of sitting there, and he's he's awesome, one of the best goalies in the NHL, best Trophy winner in previous year, but. I think uh, if we can trade him off and get like a second first round pick, why are why are we sitting on our hands for it? It's time to. And I haven't checked. I don't know if Mark Andre Fleury has a no trade clause. I hope not. Uh, but if he if he doesn't, I say yeah, we go get a first round pick for him. We thank him for his time here for taking the chance uh, with us. 
uh, because yeah, it's it's time that that's the first big domino I see falling. After that, I'm interested to see what happens with Kane and Taves. Uh, in particular, Taves. I mean, Kane, yeah, he's the best player, but Taves is like falling off hard. And like, do you? I don't know. Is it worth keeping him around? Uh, one one thing I do like that Kyle Davidson is gonna do is he's going to keep both those guys in the loop on those types of moves. He's not just going to sideswipe them, which I think is so important uh, for people that have, for two players that have given their all to the franchise. He's not just going to be like, call up one day, be like, Hey, you know, you got traded to the Florida Panthers. Like, no, he's not going to do that. He's going to, he's going to keep them in the loop. He's going to give them the respect they deserve. Be like, Hey, you know what? I think it's time to move on or like something like that. He's, he's going to actually going to have a conversation open dialogue, which I think is humongous. Just looking, yes. so just to throw stats out there. I mean, I don't have a ton, but uh, record over the last few years. Uh, if you look, 2015, 16, 47, 26, and then 2016, 17, 15, 23. That's great. Then for the next four years, you got, hold on, my bad, five years. The next five years, 33 and 39, 36 and 34. Oh, my bad. And this is, and I'm not including the overtime losses 33, 39, 10. 36, 34, 12, 32, 38, 24, 25, 7, and now 20, 28, and 8. So the Hawks have just fallen off and very mediocre for the last five years. It's been tough to watch. It's 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 been great to watch Kane and Tays in their twilight years and great to watch them, you know, still be on the Hawks and think about the past. But I agree with you, Jimmy. It is time to look forward to the future. And it's time to not just coast off the legacy that's been made, but to build a new one. And I hope uh, Kyle Davidson's the first step in that. Yeah. With Kyle Davidson, I'm going to put him in stark contrast to the leadership group that we have recently moved on from. Mm-hmm. I took major problems with the way Stan Bowman has run this franchise since 2015. I know they won the cup that year, but let's say off season of 2015 and beyond, right? Mm-hmm. He had too much of a habit of bringing back players that had had success in Chicago, yes. but didn't have any more to give. And you saw that with people like Johnny Oduya. You mm-hmm. saw that with people like Patrick Sharp, who is a Blackhawks legend, but there was no real reason for him to be on this team oh. when he came back. Yep. You know, that's my boy. But yeah, yep. no, there, oh, there, I... there, there wasn't a shot for him to be back. I don't know why. No. And with a move like reacquiring Brandon Saad, who is a pivotal piece in two cup winning teams, he never was the same player after he came back. And the talent that Bowman let go for the sake of bringing back older players, veteran players in an ever-changing league that's getting younger and getting quicker. Just It never made sense. And mm-hmm. I have a list of some of the players that he had let go and has let go that have went on to success elsewhere while we have been left with basically nothing. So he's traded Gustav Forsling. He's playing big minutes. Henry Yoki Haru, a first-round pick in Buffalo. He's having a pretty good season. Lucas Carlson has come into his own in in with the Panthers. Ryan Hartman, who, you know, people had mixed opinions on him. Great season this year in Minnesota. Adam Boquist. I know we got Seth Jones for him. I love Seth Jones. And then we eventually signed Seth Jones to an eight-year extension before he'd even played a game with us. He is an elite defenseman, but does he really fit the mold of what we're trying to do here now? A lot of these moves just don't make sense. And that those players are the types of young talent that you need for a franchise to be able to have a successful rebuild. Mm-hmm. And it just seemed like he never really committed to a plan that he put forth. 
I remember after we were the number one seed in the 16-17 season, where we eventually got swept 4-0 by Nashville in the first round. He pledged change. He pledged how this is unacceptable. You know, the, all the, the gobbly gook that comes with, you know, an early playoff exit for a team that has high aspirations, right? Mm-hmm. Well, he trades Artemi Panarin, top 10 player in the league, for Brandon Saad, for the, for the hope that Saad would reignite a Jonathan Taves. Didn't work out. And so the Hawks don't make the playoffs that next season. In 2018, he says the Blackhawks can still be competitive. What they do the next year? Another playoff miss. So in 17-18, he pledged a retool. In the summer of 2019, he pledged what I guess you can call another retool, but it was more of a pseudo-rebuild. And then he goes out and he signs Robin Leonard. He acquires a defenseman like Calvin DeHaan. You know, that's not really the – those aren't the moves that you make when you're trying to rebuild a franchise basically from the ground up. Yep. So what I like about Kyle Davidson is right – away when he was announced as the new GM. He says that we're going to have a rebuild three to five years and he's going to commit to that. Something Bowman just refused to do after he kind of drove what should have been a competitive team into the ground. And, you know, I, I, I like that from Kyle Davidson, you know, it was no, no beating around the bush. No, oh, we'll, we'll see how it goes the rest of the season before we decide to make some decisions. I like the fact that he was straight up with the franchise. I think that he brings a new level of transparency that has been lacking for the past, you know, five years, four years where we've been kind of a ship without a rudder. And Mm -hmm. I like that from him on the Jonathan Taves, Patrick Kane front. I know these guys have cemented legacies. They're both future hall of famers. They're according to the NHL 100 list that came out, you know, three, four years ago, whatever it was, they're, both two of the top 100 players to ever play the game, which I agree with. That being said, I am with you in the sense that it will be interesting to see how they finish out their careers. Will it be here? Will it not be here? I'm going to have a little bit of a hot take here, which is going to ruffle some feathers. I know. Go ahead. If you can get pieces for either for each of these players, right? Kane, you're going to get probably a couple prospects and a first round pick. If you decide to flip him at a deadline or even in the off season Taves, his best years are clearly behind him. You know, it'd be interesting to see what you can get from him. These players are always going to be Blackhawks. They're going to go into the hall of fame as Blackhawks. I just don't see if those two moves can get you, you know, to be competitive again, quicker than if you were just hold on to them. And, you know, that would extend the process of a rebuild. I don't really see why you would go that route. You know, I just, mm-hmm. we want to, we want a winning team, you know? So that's my take on it. You have to see what the market bears, but if you're going to get some good pieces, there's really no sense in holding on to them for a whole rebuild. That, yeah, that's a hot take. I am, that is very hard for me to accept. <laughs> like <laughs> even, even though, even though you may be correct, it's very hard. I'm coming from a Cubs fan that just sat and watched their core get demolished and like to see Anthony Rizzo, Anthony Rizzo, uh, Chris Bryant, Javi Baez all get traded off within a matter of hours, 48 hours. And that was just the worst two days. Well, not the worst two days of my life. I've had worst days of my life, but (laughs) it was was, was the worst two days of my sports life. And uh, it was just, it was hard to watch. And I mean, I don't know if I have the emotional stability to go through it again, but I, I get it. It makes sense, especially if it, if it's going to prolong the process to keep them here, I get that. 
um, just to play devil's advocate a little bit, maybe it's beneficial to keep them here uh, in terms of like, you know, kind of guiding along these younger players and showing them the winning habits uh, it takes to build a championship team like that. That could be a benefit on keeping them on board. Uh, so you got, I guess you kind of got a way, is it worth the experience and having those guys kind of lead the way and train these guys, train the next, you know, young crop of Blackhawks, or is it worth trading off these guys and going, getting the next young crop of Blackhawks another way, you know? So I guess that's kind of how you got to weigh it a little bit, man. It really hurt me uh, when you were, were reading off that list. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> all those people that stand, but I didn't realize, you know, all those people, like you, you said, Yogi Haru, I don't think you mentioned him, but I remember Tivu Teravainen. I thought that I was, was a say, stupid yeah. move. Oh, that, that one ticked me off. And, and I, that yeah, was he... a direct. That was a direct result of um, Stan Bowman overpaying for Brian Beckel because we had to unload yes. that contract, right? Yep. So another another botched move by Bowman. Mm-hmm. And yeah, you're never gonna have a hundred percent like great moves, but like, yeah, no, he's just, he's just been treading water for the last five years. Let's just be honest. Like that's what he was. He yeah. He was just a whole hum GM that's kind of keeping his job off the legacy that was before him. And he wasn't really, he didn't really have a vision. I will say I'm impressed with the Chicago franchises overall uh, over the past few years and their hirings in, in particular, you know, the Chicago bulls and, you know, AK and Mark, you got guys that are clear, concise guys that are, that give clear directives and goals. And then you got the same thing with Ryan Poles right now. He gives, he's clear, concise and gives direct goals to judge his job by. And that's what uh, Kyle Davison just did. He said, Hey, he was straight. He was honest. He gave his goals. He, he didn't give anything concrete or like, you know, very detailed on what exactly he's going to do. But I was so I'm, I'm just I just want to give a shout out to at least a few Chicago franchises are doing it right. So, yep. hopefully, yeah, hopefully we all turn around one day. But yeah, yep. um, yeah, I just that Patrick Kane, Jonathan Taves take really hurt me. I mean, they got two years left on their deal because they both signed identical contracts. Well, two years, including this year. I think next year would be their last year. So Correct. if you're going to trade Kane you do it this summer uh, to get the most value out of them because a full year of Kane's worth more than a half year of Kane. Uh, Taves, I'll be honest, I don't know what you're going to get for him. That's kind of my drawback with him is like, would you trade a guy like that for a, I don't know, what, what value you think? It, it depends what the the market garners, but I don't know. You get like a fifth, sixth round pick. Is that worth doing that for Jonathan Taves? Or you just keep him on the team just for his leadership and to kind of lead these guys? I mean, that's the question I ask too. So, yeah. Yeah. Uh, as yeah. much as it kind of is counterintuitive, I think keeping Taves is possibly the better option than keeping Kane. If you had to, if we were eventually, you know, to the point where these guys are ready to leave, they're accepting a trade, you know, all that stuff. Taves is by far the best leader in hockey over the past since, you know, at least Joe Stackick, probably Steve Eiserman. Mm-hmm. He, he he played some of the best hockey, the best two-way hockey that this game has ever seen. So I don't want Blackhawks fans listening to this to think that I'm anti-Taves Kane. Look at what they've done for the city. But I, I to your question, man, I don't know what Jonathan Taves would get you on open market. Yeah, I think he has, you know, four goals this year. He's probably around the 15-point mark, if I'm not mistaken, and, you know, 45, 50 games that he's played this year. I mean, for a guy making ten and a half million dollars in the cap, that's not gonna. That, that, you're not gonna get much for that. I hate to nope. say it because he's been so good for us, but I mean, what? I, there's not really much else to say. I mean, that's that's who mm-hmm. he is now, and you thank him for what he's done. But and you know, he's gonna be a Hall of Famer. He's the best leader in the game. But let's just talk facts, you know. 
Mm-hmm. Yeah, I'm with you. I, I, I'm still going to argue. Yeah, that keeping him uh, as a leader for the team to lead the next young crop, I would weigh more heavily than getting just like a fifth, sixth round pick or whatever you can get for him. That's how I would weigh. Kane. I, I see the argument for trading Kane, and this is just the emotional fan of me. <laughs> yeah, you know, it is. It's like I've used the superstar. He was the first superstar, really. I got to like grow up see a championship. Uh, in Chicago sports in 2010. It was like he led the way, and it was so cool to watch. And to see a guy that's been here for so long, the last, I don't know how many, what, what, I got the number up here. Hold It'll on. be 14 well, years now. 14, 14 years? Oh, my goodness. That's crazy. And the fact that he's been here for so long and he wants to stay here for the rest of his career and that he's still in his prime, still considered one of the top 10, 15 players in the game, it's like no doubt. Like it's hard to watch that go, but with the direction the Hawks are going, I understand the move. Just the fan, there's just the emotional fan of me. It's going to be hard to see him walk out in the end. But like you said, he'll always be a Blackhawk, and both those guys are definitely going to have statues outside the United Center one day, and I look forward to that day as well. So, yeah, yeah. it's going to be tough, too. I mean, there was a, a report this week in the past couple of days even that, you know, teams like the Rangers and teams like the Avalanche, teams that are, you know, aspiring cup contenders this season – Mm-hmm. you know, are going to maybe make a run at Patrick Kane. And I remember back in 2019 when the Blackhawks won uh, a lottery pick and were picking through overall a pick they eventually used on Kirby Doc. Yep. That I was really hoping at that time, the Blackhawks would pick Bowen Byram and he oh, yeah. was, he was, he's a defenseman. Uh, he has elite two way. He's an elite two way defenseman in the making. So if the, a team like the Avalanche were to come to the Blackhawks and say, Here's what we're going to give you. We're going to give you a Bowen Byram. We're going to give you a first round pick and a, you know another prospect like an Alex Newhook. I, if I was the GM of the Blackhawks, I'd pull the trigger on that. I, I just those mm. are two players that you build around, and they complement the young talent that we already have here. And yep. you know the Avalanche get what they want, we get what we want. I'd make that deal too. Now. Mm. It does sting to say that, but I'm just trying to speak from a very diplomatic sense, I guess you Fair could enough. say. So, yeah. <laughs> Tyler, I wanted to ask you a question. Go ahead. Because I'm always mixed on him. What do you think the Blackhawks' plan with Dylan Strome should be mm. moving forward this season and beyond? Well, let me take a look at his contract because uh, I'm actually curious. Do you, do you know how many years he's got left on his deal? I'm looking it up right now. Don't quote me on it, but I believe he is – Due for an extension either this offseason or next? Let's see. I think you are correct. Two years, $6 million deal. And he is, yep, next season he's a restricted free agent. Yep. Here's the thing. Okay. The dude's 24 years old, going to be 25 uh, next year. Um, he's young, uh, but he's just, to be honest, he's been a disappointment a little bit for me. Uh, I haven't followed him too much. Yeah. I mean, this year he's, kind of the same way like 11 goals 13 assists yeah it's great but like i don't know that's not phenomenal uh i don't know i've questioned his effort at times i've questioned the type of player he is in terms of how much he gives on the ice i uh i haven't been huge on him personally and we can't really find settling on a position for him either because i know he's played the wing i know we put him at center and i know he's just been i don't know he's looked very uncomfortable in both but there's been times where he's just shown you know he's 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 been bright for us too so i don't know jimmy like He's a he's a tough one. I don't think he's part of the core moon forward. I don't think we're going to see him in a Blackhawks uniform in five years, personally. But I give him another 
you know, two year contract and see what happens. I mean, that might be worth a deal, especially if we're rebuilding. It's not like we're going to, you know, be competitive for the next three, four years. So why not just get this guy a little two year deal and see what he can do? What do you think? Yeah, I, I tend to agree. I was actually a big Nick Schmaltz fan. And this is coming off the news last night. Um, at the time of this recording, it was last night that Nick Schmaltz had a seven point game. So that kind of is what kind of brought it up into my, my own mm. mind talking about Dylan Strom. So I was a big Nick Schmaltz fan. He was involved in the trade that brought Dylan Strom to Chicago. And I think the Blackhawks, both under Quenville and Colleton, and now a little bit of their coach now, um, that it is just, I go, I go back and forth on him too. I don't think he's been used properly under really any of them. Yeah. I think that Derek King has figured it out a little bit more that he's put him in more of a top, top six role playing on the line with the Brinkett or playing on the line with Kane or sometimes all of them. And, um, you know, there's been times where he's been playing fourth line grinder minutes and that's just not really the, the player that he is. It's not. So I think that if Dylan Strome was given a chance to be the net front presence with a top six team on a top six uh, forward grouping mm-hmm. that he'd be able to shine. And I think that when he does play in that role, you know, he is better, but he doesn't have the, the puck skill that I thought he was going to have. He doesn't necessarily have the stats that I was hoping he would have at this point. Absolutely. And obviously there's more to a player, especially a, a center like Dylan Strom than um, a natural center like Dylan Strom than, than those two aspects. But, Mm-hmm. I am. I, I'm back and forth on him. I, I can never yeah. I can never really pinpoint exactly what I want to do with him, whether you flip him or you keep him and you let him let it play out. But um, that's just kind of that's just kind of yeah. my thoughts on it. Initially, it's, initially it's, right it's off the bat. Yeah. Initially, right off the bat, I, you know, I had high expectations for him and he kind of he lived up to it for the most part, at least for his first year. But then after, after his first year or two, he kind of fell off. And especially the 2021 season, 2020, 2021 season was just abysmal for him. And this year he's. Yeah, he hasn't bounced back as much as I would like. So I, I don't know about you. I would, I take a gamble. I would be like, hey, you know what? You give you a two-year deal, and if you, or if you want to go find, he's a restricted free agent next year. You want to go find a deal that you think you're worth, and we'll see if we can match that. Fine, but I, uh, maybe that's the approach I would take with him. Actually, just thinking on the fly. Maybe just say, hey, you know what? You go find a deal you think you're worth, and we'll see if we think you're worth that. You know, and we'll match it. That's kind of how I would take it. Yeah, and on the center discussion. Um, already referenced Kirby Doc. I yep. was, you know, I preferred the Blackhawks to have selected Bowen Byram over Kirby Doc. I do like Kirby Doc. I like the pick. I think that, you know, he drew lots of comparisons to Orion Getzlaff um, when he was first coming into the league. And I, and Kirby Doc's another one that I'm a little bit mixed on still. Mm-hmm. I, I know he's young. I'm going to throw that out there. He's 21 years old. He's barely getting his feet wet in the NHL. He's one of the cornerstones I know the Blackhawks are going to continue to build around. I would like to see a little bit more out of Kirby Doc. I think defensively speaking, Kirby Doc is actually coming into his own a little bit more. He has a better plus minus rating as of late than he, you know, has had previously. I think he 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 tracks the puck well. Um, but mm-hmm. I think he needs to develop in, and learn to use his frame a little bit more. And mm-hmm. I think he needs to develop a shot first mentality. And it seems like he's always looking to pass, always looking to pass. That's not the kind of player that he is. He's a guy that could take the puck to the net. He has good hands. He's got good puck skill. And 
I think he's going to be a good player for us. I want to see a little bit more out of him. I don't know if you fall in that category as well, but that's that's my opinion on you know one of these yeah. these pieces that Kyle Davidson is going to look to build around. Yeah, I have super high hopes for Kirby Doc. Um, still, I think missing last year with that fractured wrist uh, when he played juniors, I think killed him in terms of development. Not killed him, I don't say that, but like set him back dramatically. Uh, because that that's like a full season. He only played like I have it up here, eighteen games that season. So I think that hurt him a ton. Um, but I still have very high hopes for him because I feel like he still gets in positions where he can score. Uh, but I agree with you. He's been, he's been very passive. He's He's got to learn to assert himself. He's 21 years old. And maybe that's the problem playing with all these older guys like 33-year-old Patrick Kane and Jonathan Taves. You know, like maybe he's less prone to assert himself because of that. But he's got to be enabled by his coaching staff to take over and to be a main force and a main option on the team. So we'll see what happens. I'm, I'm curious if I can flip the question on you, Jimmy. Um, and I have no names in my head right now, but let's just, what do you think of Derek King uh, moving forward? Do you see him as just still the interim uh, role or do you see him as the head coach of the future for the next three years during this rebuild? Do you trust him in that? Or do you go out and get a coach that kind of focuses on development a little more? What's your thought? I like Derek King. Mm-hmm. I think he was a good stabilizing and has been a good stabilizing presence in, you know, the aftermath of the Blackhawks scandal. And, you know, I, I think he's brought a good message to this team. I actually do trust him, believe it or not. Mm. Um, I think that he is, I think his players play, play hard for him. I think they respond um, to his challenges. He's very vocal with the Chicago media about, you know, players that he expects more from or, you know, players that leave a little bit more to be desired. Um, I think the reason I am saying that is because I think back to the the rebuild before Um, you had a guy like Denny Savard, right? He he comes in, he's Patrick Kane's first coach in the league. Kane loved him the same way. It seems like a lot of these young players in the Blackhawks now uh, love King and, as soon as the Blackhawks are ready to contend, they go out and they get Joel Quenville, who at that point uh, was the best coach available. He was, you know, he's a Stanley Cup winning coach. He was, he's a legend of the game, obviously. Um, so I, I think I would go the route um, at this moment in time saying that Derek King is a good option for the rebuild. He reminds me of like a, you know, a Cubs White Sox guy, Ricky Renteria. He kind of bridges oh, the yeah. gap. Um, until they're ready to compete. So I would have no quarrels if the Blackhawks decide to keep King around for the next couple of years, see where it goes. You know, obviously, if he's a Colleton-like, provides a Colleton-like system, I don't think that is good to stay with. But I, I don't mind it. I think it would be I think it would be fine. I don't know how you mm-hmm. feel about it, but that's, that, that's where I kind of fall on that. I love the Ricky Renteria comparison that you just made there. That's a, that's a very good, like a, or even a Doug Collins, you can make a comparison uh, when he was coaching Jordan back in the eighties before they hired Phil Jackson, he was just kind of that bridge coach, uh, but they couldn't really get over the hump with him. That, that might be a more Derek King uh, style type guy. That might be putting Derek King on too much of a pedestal compared to Doug Collins, but y- you know what I mean? Um, sure. I, uh, yeah, I, I, I agree with you. I, I think he would be a good bridge coach. I got no other names in mind. That's the only reason I can't think of right now. I have to do research. Can you remind me, Jimmy? And maybe you don't know, but who left first? Was it Stan Bowman? I'm trying to remember the timeline. Did Stan fire Jeremy Colleton and then Stan got fired? Or was it, the, I think Stan stepped down, then Kyle Davidson fired Jeremy Colleton. Do you remember? 
Yeah, Bowman was was one, Bowman don't Bowman fell before Collison fell, if I'm yeah. remembering correctly. I, I'm, I'm confident in saying that. I think I don't know who made the decision to get rid of Collison. I think it was kind of a unanimous, you know, mm-hmm. higher up decision. But yeah, Bowman well, yeah, not, Bowman was out before. And, and and it was probably Kyle Davidson's decision to promote Derek King. So that kind of shows a little bit that, you know, at least Kyle Davidson at this moment trusts Derek King. He'll probably have very honest conversations with him. And he's already shown, yeah, that he has trust in Derek King to lead this team for the foreseeable future. So we'll see. I mean, we'll give it an off season. I think that will be the next big domino to fall after the hopefully Mark Andre Fleury trade. And I, I didn't ask your opinion on that. What do you think of the idea of trading Mark Andre Fleury and getting something for him right now? Yeah. I mean, I would do it. I don't really mm-hmm. see any reason of keeping him. Um, yeah. You want to get Lincoln in his minutes. You want to see what he has to give to the team. Mm-hmm. Fleury is going to get you a, a, a good piece to, you know, kind of kick off the rebuild, I would say. Yeah. Um, so I I yeah I I'd, I'd move Flurry. I know he doesn't want to get moved, and I think that the Blackhawks are probably going to end up respecting that decision just because of who Flurry is and the fact that he was considering retirement, but then chose mm-hmm. to come to the Blackhawks in the end. So I don't think it's in the Blackhawks DNA just to not give up on that, but kind of flip that away. Mm-hmm. Um, but we'll see. Um, I go ahead. No, yeah, we'll see what we'll see what happens. Yeah, I agree. I, I think they'll be honest with him. They'll get his opinion on it. But at the end of the day, you got to do what's best for the franchise. And it's not like Mark Andre Fleury's got a deep history with us. Where I mean, that it's kind of you know it's a little different. Uh, he doesn't have like a deep history with us uh, with all the success. He's only been here uh, for a short time. So sure. I think I think it's worth making the move and jumpstarting the rebuild that way. Um, yeah, I, we'll see how it ends up. Yep, I and I think a lot of the Blackhawks' uh, success in the future isn't going to rely fully on Derek King right now. Mm-hmm. Um, I think that Derek King is going to be put in a better position based on the player development, you know, hirings that Kyle Davidson in the front office make and the new, you know, the new higher up roles, the hockey ops roles. I, it's not going to just be on Derek King. Obviously you want to put that out there too, but uh, yeah, I mean, either way you look at it, no matter what happens going forward, I think that there are going to be, substantial moves coming up we're not that far away from the trade deadline i think there are going to be some some pieces flipped i want to put it out there i hope brandon hankel stays i think he is a huge piece he reminds me of andrew shaw i think that he is a player that is young and you can build around him and by the time he's entering his prime hopefully the blackhawks are ready to contend again so heads are going to roll and there's going to be players (laughs) that the blackhawks move on from it's all going to be about the return that uh we get to see, uh, you know, what we're going to be able to start building off this summer. All right, we'll find out. Yep. Uh, yeah, m- moving on a little, Jim, uh, to our next topic a little bit. I don't know about you, but I've been watching the Bulls lately, um, and their last four games have been tough, to say the least. Uh, the Bulls are currently, at, at the time of recording this episode, on a four-game losing streak. They've dropped the number four seed in the Eastern Conference, and they've lost to some pretty good teams. Now, uh, they're handling injuries hard, but they've lost four in a row to the Grizzlies, the Heat, the Bucks, and the Hawks. Um, Four very good teams, four teams that are currently in the play-in or in the playoffs, uh, some near the top of their conference. Uh, Jimmy, if I could throw the question at you, what's going on with the Bulls? Why can't the Bulls – we're not worrying or anything, but why can't the Bulls really hang uh, with the top best of the best elite in each of their conferences? So I think there's a couple different factors at play. Obviously, you mentioned the injuries that we're battling. And, you know, every I don't want to give the Bulls too much leeway because 
who in the NBA hasn't dealt with that this year, but it's tough when you're missing two of your top five players overall, yep. probably three of your top six players overall. And in my opinion, your three best defensive players, mm-hmm. that is hard to overcome against elite teams. So I think that's the first layer that you kind of got to analyze. Secondly, and to our previous polls talk, they have lost, you know, to teams like the Bucks, like the Heat, like the 76ers, teams that have been at or around the top of the conference for the past however many years that have been tried in those playoff appearances and in mm-hmm. those tight games. Bucks won the championship last year. The Heat have been, you know, they were in the NBA in the NBA finals in the bubble. And, you know, obviously the Grizzlies this year are kind of fresh off fresh off the beat, but I mean, the Bulls got to, they got to just push through it. Um, I'm mm-hmm. trying not to worry too much because, you know, the, the Bulls have had their fair share of blowout losses this year, but we hang with, it, it seems like we're in the game, you know, we're, and when we have a full healthy roster, I think the script is going to flip a little bit and I think we'll be able to turn the tides. I still think the Bulls, when we're in the playoffs, um, are going to be one of the toughest outs in the NBA. I don't think the Bulls are just going to roll over and go out in five games versus anybody. Yep. Four or five games versus anybody. But, you know, I, I would like to see a little bit more from them against the good teams. Obviously, it's well documented that we've been, I think, 0-13 against the top three teams in each conference as it currently stands. Mm-hmm. Um, but for a silver lining to our previous podcasts, we didn't mind if the Bulls slipped a little bit, right? I mean, yep, that's true. we didn't mind if we ended up in like a fourth or a fifth seed. That might give us a better chance to get out of the first round and, you know, get a little bit of playoff experience before we move on again. So, um, yeah, I think, I think that we're still in good shape and Tyler, I know that you're, you're watching them closely and you love the bulls as much as anybody. So are you worried? I'm not worried in terms of the expectation for this season is not to win a championship. Uh, the expectation for this season is to get these guys some playoff experience, build a foundation and, uh, get some legitimacy in back in the NBA because before these last two seasons, the bulls were a laughingstock in the NBA. They were looked at as not serious. Uh, like, Oh my gosh, their front office is just a joke. Like no one wanted to play for their front office and they've really turned around the reputation. And this whole season's about establishing a reputation of, okay, you know what? We're here to mean business. Uh, we're, we're real about winning. We're serious about winning. That being said, um, I'm worried about, I just want to make sure, I won't be worried once they're all back and once they're all healthy, but Caruso, Patrick Williams, Lonzo, losing them has been hard, especially Lonzo and Caruso. We've been able to kind of take the hit of Patrick Williams because I think Javante Green was an amazing get by AK. Uh, He's been an awesome fill-in. I'm not calling him a superstar, but the fact that he's been able to start this entire season and make the impact he has has been phenomenal. Um, One thing the Bulls don't have, and there's no sign of them getting anytime soon, is a uh, elite shot blocker or an elite defensive player in the middle of the floor, uh, like a, you know, DeAndre Jordan, obviously Joel Embiid, but I'm not going to say that. Uh, we're not, <laughs> but like, uh, you know, those elite defensive centers. Um, one reason they've been able to get away with that this season is because it's because of their elite uh, perimeter defense that Lonzo and Caruso and all those guys have been able to establish. Well, now you're playing with guys like Levine and DeRozan, who I'm not going to shag on them they've been really good they've in defensively DeRozan's been better than uh than advertised uh defensively and Zach Levine has stepped up and become a better two-way player he's not an amazing two-way player he's come better that being said dribble penetration is getting in the lane left and right uh 
guys are just blowing past our guards. And when they blow past our guards, Vucevic, who I love Vooch, that's my, that's my boy, but he just can't, uh, he can't hold down defensively in the paint and really alter, alter shots. He's having his best season shot blocking wise, I believe. Hold on. I don't have it pulled up, but I think it was 1.3 blocks per se- uh, per game. He's uh, averaging this season, which is far better than he's ever had. Hold on. Got it up. 1.1 blocks per season, right? Or, or per game right now. So that's way better than he's ever had. Uh, so he's stepped up defensively. That being said, I think we're letting too many guards blow passes past us. I think our defense is suffering, and I don't think we're going to outscore every single team in the league. So uh, that's just my worry a little bit. Um, my other worry is stopping just the elite, elite uh, NBA players. Now, no one's going to stop Giannis. <laughs> no one's going to stop no <laughs> hardly anyone can stop John Moran. He looks like a young D Rose right now. So those elite type players is where we're going to have our trouble. But right now our current matchup in the first round, if it stays as is the Boston Celtics, I like our luck against the Celtics. I throw it out there and say, you know what? We can beat the Celtics in six. Like that's something we can do. And then oh, yeah. in the next, in the next round, we face the winner of Miami versus one of the plans. And well, so probably Miami. <laughs> and <laughs> you know, as much as we struggle with Miami this year, they don't really have a best of the best player. They have obviously Jimmy Butler. They got Tyler Hero. They got a very deep, very well coached team. One of the greatest coaches of all time in Eric Spolstra. I can't believe I just said that, but it's true. <laughs> it's true. He's uh, I, just rewinding back. I was not an Eric Spolstra guy at all. I did not believe in him. I did not like him, obviously, because of the LeBron James, Dwayne Wade, Chris Bosch. I thought he was just one of those coast guys that just kind of rode the success of those three players. And he has proved himself to be one of the best coaches in NBA history. And I'm very, I'm very, I very much respect him now. So my opinion has changed. Anyways, I, th- <laughs> I think we could hang with Miami and we, there's a possibility we can win that series too. And then, you know what, throw up our luck against the winner of Milwaukee and the Sixers and, and Brooklyn. I mean, who knows? An Eastern Conference final trip is a very successful season for, for these Bulls. So, um, no, I'm not too worried, but I'm just because I don't think we'll face the best of the best, at least in the first round. But uh, I would like to get our guys fully healthy and fully back before we can really judge what this team is. Yeah, I agree. And I'm going to go on record saying it. I do not fear the Heat. I don't fear the Celtics. And I think we play the Bucks tough, so I think the Bulls are—they're going to be all right. I'm not—I'm not worried. I'm not super worried yet. I would like to see more defensively. I think that Zach Levine, as great as he is, if he can step up his defensive game, he'll put himself up there with the elite players in the league. I think Stacey King says it all the time: the Bulls need to rebound as a unit. They need to rebound better. You know, they—they they, they need to pick up their matchups. And they just they can't they can't break the zone and they can't fly the zone too early before we have the ball secured. I think we have a little bit of a habit of doing that. Yep. Um, but you know I'm just gonna hard. I, we play all these top teams tough. I'm I'm not worried. You know the yep. playoffs are gonna be the t- end all be all, but I think we're gonna be okay. So I want to give some Bulls fans some some confidence and I want to give us some some words of wisdom that. Don't freak out too much. We're going to be okay. We're going to be there in the end. So we'll, we'll be there. Let me throw one more question at you, Jimmy. Sure. Which Derek Jones Jr. play did you like better? Him dunking it on Giannis's head or throwing Grayson Allen to the ground on his butt on a, de- on a baseline drive? What'd you like better? Uh, <laughs> you know what? I, oh, that's such a tough one. You, <laughs> you really got me there. <laughs> I think, I think you got to give it to the dunk. I really think you got to have yeah. it, it, that picture of Giannis just kind of, 
he he didn't know he didn't know what hit him when he when he got when he got put on a poster by by Jones there. So, oh, I it's just one of those moments that I think could you know, it, yeah. we're gonna look back on that in a, in a better light I think come the season end than Grayson Allen getting getting decked. So, no, I don't, yeah, you if don't Grayson do- Allen would have gotten uh, would have had any sort of ability in him in the end there to hit one of those threes to really put the dagger in the bulls, then maybe I'd be liking the fact that he got that he got that he got put down by Derek, but mm-hmm. you know, putting putting the best player in the NBA on a poster as a guy like Derek Jones Jr. is is something that's uh that I know riled riled some people up in Milwaukee, which is always a good thing. So <laughs> I love it. I and I just you don't get to dunk on the one of the best players in the NBA uh every single day. But you can you get the opportunity to knock Grayson Allen down a few more times. Don't worry. <laughs> I do wish that there was one moment where Grayson Allen had a, a, a path to the basket and then he eventually ended up dunking on that Io maybe could have given him a little bit of a hard foul. It was actually a pretty similar play that um, Alex Caruso got hurt on, but mm-hmm. um, I would have liked to see him get hit a little bit there. But Io's rookie, you gotta you gotta go a little hands off, I guess. But you know, Grayson Allen, he is who he is. He's you know, he's a shot taker. All the a lot of Bucks fans. I don't know if you've seen this, Tyler, but they're like, mm-hmm. you know, Grayson Allen. They're they're living off of his reputation in the league. He hasn't been a dirty player in the NBA. Da, 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 da. And I'm like, I really don't care. He was a dirty player. You can see like, yes. he hasn't been as, you know, excessive maybe or as noticeable in the NBA, but he still does stuff all the time. Give me a break mm-hmm. if you're a Bucks fan saying that. I 100% agree. I uh, Especially if people even miss, like, just the subtle, like, dirty plays that he makes. Like, trip and aisle. Did you see that yeah, one? Yeah, exactly. Just out of the blue. It's like, that's a dirty play. And people are like, oh, that's no big deal. No, it's a big deal. Like, he's out deal. for blood. He's out to hurt other players. That's what he is. Um, and that hasn't changed since his time at Duke. Going back, I am a Duke fan. Just want to put that out there. But <laughs> I, I was not a Grayson Allen fan. Um, I mean, I liked him. Uh, his, his freshman year went back when they beat Wisconsin in the championship. So, uh, But other than that, no, he's been a dirty player throughout his entire career. And he's continued those habits going into the NBA. And, yeah, the dude's just – he's out for blood. And it, I don't like it. And he's, and, he, and he, he's just very ignorant in terms of, like, he doesn't acknowledge it or he just thinks he's doing the right thing. I don't know if – yeah, I don't know if he knows that he's being dirty. You know what I mean? Like, does he right. know that's he is not who the right? He is. Yeah, he is, he's been this way for eight years now. I mean, <laughs> you just you just got you know who the guy is. Stop trying to defend him. You know, mm-hmm. no, you just you accept him. He's on, he's on your team. You guess you just gotta accept him. But yeah, don't defend any dirty plays like that. If he was on my team doing that, I wouldn't defend that. Absolutely right. not. Right. Ugh. So uh, we'll uh, we'll cool off a little bit here. And- <laughs> I think that's kind of uh, what we kind of came in hoping to talk about, Tyler. You got anything else to add? I got nothing else to add. I think this was a good conversation. Yep, absolutely. So we'll check out now. We uh, hope to see you again here at Lakeshore Sports. We're going to have some more uh, content coming here pretty soon. Got a lot of of exciting times. We're going to have a lot to talk about. So uh, me and Tyler will sign off here, and uh, we'll catch you next time here at Lakeshore Sports.